Well, hello again from Montpellier, France. You said it pretty good. I said, I'm, I'm working on it, my yeah. little French accent. Yeah. And um, the opera singer that was out front on the street uh, from our apartment decided to take a water break, I think. So we decided it was a good time to record a podcast. Mm-hmm. So today we want to uh, talk about the big switcheroo and how we got here. We covered some of it in an episode, Performance and Comfort, in season four. That was episode 16 and 18. And we reflected back on those episodes. And also, both those episodes turn out to be the biggest downloaded uh, episodes we have for season four. So clearly, there's some interest in, in this topic. And so what we wanted to do is just do a recap and then double click down a couple things or thoughts that we maybe think we missed or didn't go deep enough on in discussing, you know, why we decided to make a change in our sailing platform for our plans. And also to get it clear in our minds, because some of these things are going to turn out to be philosophies that we embrace, you know, as we're going through the build process again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought that that would be a good thing to cover today. Yeah, and your sailing cruising philosophy is best if it's aligned with the boat the design boat, building, yeah. you know, philosophy as well. Yeah, and, and we so, didn't just to recap too. We didn't really have one going in so much, like on our first boat. Like we sort of wanted everything, and we wanted the comfort, and we we're like, yeah, we're cruising. Yeah, I mean, you go through the process, monohull, catamaran, and then, you know, once you decide catamaran, it's like, okay, production boat versus performance. But I think what we're going to try to highlight today, it's a like the, the production versus performance and other categories are really designed by like the boat magazines and 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 basically defined by the design of the boat. But when you're selecting your boat, it's it's uh, it doesn't really express those categories don't really express yeah, what it is you're because deciding. Yeah. We we don't want a racing boat. Yeah, um, we that wasn't want, the idea. Yeah, we don't want. Although we like to go fast, <laughs> that's not the reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you it's it's a benefit. Like you might use it and you know to have fun to you know for different reasons, but it's not the primary criteria. So right. I think we're going to break down the the kind of the very very simplistic and high level like okay basically why are you buying a performance boat yeah and and break it down is really on what our reasoning yeah. was at the time and and yeah. kind of and crystallized you know over mm-hmm. time so just to go just provide more context we have a lot of new listeners welcome and thank you for listening Um, I'll just kind of try to boil it down for you. You know, in season one, it was all about trying to transition to this lifestyle, selling the boat, telling our kids, figuring out how to set up a financial plan. Selling the house. What'd I say? Selling the boat. Selling the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Selling the house. (laughs) As I was selling the boat on the brain. Um, Selling the house, you know, figuring out a financial plan. What about our jobs and careers and what do we need to do? And then season two was really about building the boat and, and figure out what options we wanted and things like that uh, for the boat we had previously. And then season three was all about the delivery and the commissioning. 
um, and getting started into our first season as we made our way across the Med to Montenegro. And then season four was about our first full sailing season in Croatia, Greece, and Turkey, which was awesome and amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, we did the big switcheroo last season or made the decision, not made, not did it, but made the decision to do it. And I know for a lot of our listeners, it seemed really sudden, um, mm -hmm. but we had really been struggling with some of these points around performance versus comfort that we talked about in those two episodes. So let's dive right in. So and, and that's came from talking to people mm -hmm. and And us living the life and, and, and talking about it yeah, between ourselves. Yeah. It's not like we, we went there and then changed our minds. We mm. went to visit Outremer for because we had been having these conversations. So um, why don't you just give a summary of kind of the simple reasoning and, and um, go into some of well, that. Well, yeah. So when there is a lot of like, okay, you know, do... What kind of boat do I... So let's assume like you've made the decision to buy a catamaran and, and, and so it's like, okay, do I want to buy a production boat? It has some benefits. It's cheaper. <laughs> There are many more like the waiting list. Well, it's less, less expensive. I wouldn't say it's cheaper. Y yeah. You have All to these include... new boats are expensive, like really expensive. Yes, yes. And then uh, there's a lot... There is the price point, mm -hmm. and then there is all the work to be done afterwards that mm -hmm. has to be included. So it's uh, it's a little bit misleading. But what you hear a lot is, well, when you're cruising, you're spending 90 plus percent of the time at anchor. So yeah, we heard. And that. You're, you're like, okay, that's probably uh, true. And um, and so you're like, well, do I need like uh, a kind of a Um, a fast boat or fast boat or boat that sails really well if most of the time right. I'm, I'm at anchor so I just need to be comfortable <laughs> at anchor and the, and the 10% of the time then I can get by so even if this fact is is true I think it's not it's a, again an, a simplification and something to really watch for but you know we we heard that we, we agreed that with it lot, yeah. and that definitely uh, um helped us drive in one direction towards yeah. a decision. And and just to add to a point on that is, um, you know, I don't know what the time frame is on all that because you're sleeping in an anchor and this and that, but, you know, the places that we certainly sailed in the Med and where we hope to be sailing in the Bahamas and the Caribbean and, you know, all these other places, it's a series of islands or coasts that we want to visit. So it's island hopping and coastal sailing yeah, and things like we'll, that. Yeah, we'll talk about this. Yeah. Uh, but... To, again, to be careful with some generic statements that might say, okay, we can disregard those boats because, you know, if, if 90% of the time we're at anchor, then, you know, let's focus on really what makes it like really comfortable to us and mm -hmm. stuff like this. But I think, um, yeah, to be to watch for that, and we'll talk about this, you know, there is this thing like, okay, if the boat is slower and you're like, okay, if I do a crossing... I might arrive like two days later than a performance boat, but I'm, I'm a cruiser. So it's like, what's why, the big deal? What's the big deal to add, you know, if you have a two weeks or a three week passage and you add a two days or something, you're like, okay, so yes, <laughs> that's, that's another fact, but it's again, you have to dive deeper to really understand mm -hmm. kind of like not, not just go by that statement. And and the other thing is, you know, 
you you're going the plan is to go around the world and and that's again the simplification is like yeah, yeah for for us and the simplification is like well of course as sailors in general you want to be self-sufficient and but we went i think overboard to say okay uh, every possible we, thing every yeah. possible <laughs> parts and everything for many years and and um and so you're like okay i need a boat with that can take all this load and for you know all this equipment and stuff like this but i think as we will go through the list what we discovered it's it's uh, again it wasn't simplification and mm-hmm. to to drive ourselves into one direction but after two years we realized that this is not kind of the um, the criteria that was for us. For yeah. Us, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so what? Maybe you can describe sort of the first big criteria or the 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 change that we had. Yeah. So the main one, I, well, the main one. I think they are all uh, important, but there is one that that comes often is is that we want to sell more, and um, and so. After all, we bought a sailboat. To sail um, it, yeah. You know, we we enjoy the feeling when the boat moves through the water, like quietly, like with no motors on. We like the idea of not burning fuel, and mm-hmm. um, and so uh, every time we can sail, we try to sail. But um, when you have a certain boat, you're going to have some limitations. And so, it's heavy. When it's heavy. Yeah. So, um, so one thing, for example, um, is sailing upwind. Like monohulls sail well upwind. Um, regular catamarans just don't sail upwind. <laughs> period. Uh, the only uh, uh, you need dagger boards to be able to to do this. Um, if you have a production boat like we had, um, if it's heavier. And when you're sailing upwind, you're going to get the waves. Uh, as the wind increases, the waves, the wind waves are going to increase. And and if the boat is heavier, if the hull shape in the same shape, you know you're going. The waves are going to slow you down. So even though like you're trying to sail uh, quickly, you realize that you need to turn one engine on to really help the boat not decelerate every time you hit the a wave. And and so that's one thing um, that um, that that's we realize, and and so we want to be able to sail upwind. And uh, the other thing is the we want to be able to have uh, an increased radius of point A to point B. So there's a lot of as you were talking earlier. There's a lot of okay, where should we go today tomorrow? And the first thing you do is you look at the, the mile. Well, you look obviously at the weather and you look at the mileage and you look at your average speed, uh, what you think you can make. And, um, and then you say, okay, I want to get there before dark. I want to get there a few hours so I have time to find a good anchorage. Um, so what does that mean? What time do I need to leave? And I want to leave myself some cushion. And then, and then, um, and then you go. But things happen and suddenly we find ourselves quite often, you know, trying to sail and the, the wind goes down, the angle is not great, but you keep sailing. And after a while, you look at your watch and you're like, well, we need to get there. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer dark. because we'll be enjoying the sailing. You know, we'll be having a nice, you know, a nice day. We will have gotten the boat going and, you know, we're clipping along. 
um, you know, wait either the angle or, you know, the wind changes and suddenly it's like, oh my God, we have to start the engine. Yeah. You're on the clock. Like yeah. You're, you, you're like trying to sail. And at one point it's like, okay, drop the sails. You put an engine and then you drop sails down, put two engines and, mm-hmm. and go to your anchorage. And, you know, and that's to go back to the comment, 90% is that of anchor, you know, when you're looking at the big picture, but you do a lot of like hopping coastal around. sailing yeah. and, and island hopping. And so you want to be, a, I mean, you can spend another night at sea, but when you're shorthanded, you know, it has a cost. So if you can do it within a day, um, you know, that's, that's better. So that's, that's increased the radius of, of sailing. And, and also, as I was saying, you're going to look at the weather forecast. So for the type of boat you have, base the wind is one thing, but it's never the, the worst. Like you can reef, you have, it's more the sea state. So suddenly you're looking at the forecast and for your boat, you have kind of a range. You say, okay, those are like the right angles, the one wind strength, the right waves, where the boat and the crew is going to feel, to feel comfortable. So if you have a boat that is more like seaworthy, like this range increases a lot. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, if it's going to be like 20, 25 knots, I might consider to go Mm -hmm. Um, versus on another boat. It'll be like, oh, that's going to be like a, a rough ride for the boat, for the crew. And so you're going to make decisions based on that. So, mm-hmm. so and let me put a little asterisk on the word seaworthy that you said, because I mean, all these boats are seaworthy, like they're not yeah. going to sink, obviously. It's just more, you know, that they're meant for um, maybe rougher conditions or blue water sailing, that sort of thing. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. It's, it's more how the boat is going to behave perform. in the waves, yeah. how it's going to perform in, 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 a, in a different sea state. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because, mm-hmm. I mean, people have gone around the world, world in bathtubs, you know, and yeah. you can make it, <laughs> yeah. But, or more 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so those um, um, was definitely an important um, criteria to do more sailing. So... Uh, of course, if you do more sailing, you're using less the motors. Um, so that means you're going to consume less diesel. That means you don't need as much diesel in your tanks. It's lighter. It's cheaper. It gives you more flexibility uh, if you don't have uh, places where to fill up, um, knowing that you trust your mm-hmm. boat, that you can sail in, in um, different conditions. And also... If you if you have to motor and that's going to happen, obviously, um, again based on the boat design, like uh, like a performance boat with one motor, because of the hull shape uh, being more narrow, longer, you're going to be able to power the boat and the lighter boat uh, on one engine most of the time. In our case. Um, if we had the waves, the sorry, the waves behind us, so at the right kind of angle, uh, we would just or flat water, like we will turn only one engine. But as soon as you had a little bit of a sea state, you basically yeah. needed both engines on, so it's more fuel, more wear and tear on the boat. So, so that's if you you're going to have to motor, but if you have to motor, then at least you can um, only use one engine mm-hmm. most of the time. So, so that was one 
one big criteria for us to reconsider and 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 lean mm-hmm. towards a boat that is uh, uh, defined as a performance boat. The other thing is um, we are a couple sailing the boat, and um, and so we want a boat that is easier to sail shorthanded. And we- I mean, we started out with this as a criteria. So what did yeah. we learn? You know, what what were the things? I mean, there were some certain certain things we learned about the boat, which we mentioned in previous podcasts about just I couldn't reach things, you know, because I'm yeah. five two and, and and so and and we put it, we set up our boat, we rigged it mm-hmm. in a way that it was as easy as it could as be as it could be, yeah, to sail shorthanded. So you know, all the lines are back into the the helm station, blah blah blah. All the boats pretty much do this nowadays. Um, so it's not so much that, but if you have a heavier boat and if you have a boat that is designed for like those production boats, the Fonny Peugeot, the Lagoon, the Leopards, um, they are heavier, um, they go through the, through the waves in a certain way. And that means you need bigger sails, you know, for, for the boat to move. Um, so we had, for example, a, a code zero, um, that was really, really heavy. I mean, it w- it took both of us, and we were breaking our backs to get it out of the the locker, and and yeah, yeah, it was not. It, it's it was a pain to use. So the idea is like, well, yes, you can leave it up, and but it's a heavy, heavy sail that is like a lot of weight way up. As long as the wind and sea state is is okay, then it's okay. But mm-hmm. you know, when things go wrong, <laughs> yeah. uh, things usually go wrong one after the other. So what you want is at least our philosophy is like let's let's be Put, proactive about this. Let's bring it down. It down. Yeah. And we left it on the trampoline and stuff. But every time you have to put it in the anchor locker, it's it's not a sail that is like uh, mm-hmm. self furling like an. But it's um, it's it's really heavy and it's not easy to shove inside the anchor locker. And when it happens to be at the bottom of the anchor locker because yeah. you use the other sails, it's like it's a made. Everything is much more cumbersome when when the sails are bigger because the boat is heavier. I mean that's the bottom line. And mm. we're early fifties and we're in decent shape, but you know we're, we hope to sail for a while. And it's not always going to be that way, right? Yeah, and you don't want to throw your back because mm. of like you're trying to <laughs> yeah. to to use whatever sail. In this case, you know that that was very heavy. So, and and if you know that what's going to happen is you're going to not unless it's ready to sell then you can just unfurl it um you know suddenly like you're making decision unconsciously like mm-hmm. you know oh i don't really want to take it out of the anchor locker or yeah it's like blah, a pain blah, blah. yeah and even anchoring right like you know um it's so funny we're in the med and and we're sailing around and these these professional boat captains i guess that people hire or whatever mm-hmm. they just go in drop the anchor and literally people are swimming two seconds later and we always just were more careful and it took us longer and, you know, maybe we'll get better at it, you know, but I think we were very conservative when it came to anchoring. We wanted to find the right space. We knew we were going to stay the night. You know, there are a lot of things. I think the difference is most most of the time they come back to the same places. So they know the area. Number two is they have somebody on watch on the boat at all times. Right. Versus, you know, we want to be able to go on a hike or whatever. Yeah. To know that, you know, we've taken Mm -hmm. all the, the precautions that we could. So, you know, everybody goes through their process and, and, you know, it's okay. We have time. Yeah. We can, but what was, what we 
discovered is you know the um, the anchor on a Fontaine Peugeot is like uh, mid bow, yeah. yeah, and um, and so it's just when you need to raise anchor um, and with the bridle and and you know you have your head down in the anchor locker. Uh, you don't see the person at the helm. The person at the helm doesn't see where the chain is. And then suddenly, like, if you're at an angle with the chain, it goes under the Yeah, hole. it's just a little more complicated than we would have liked. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's other stupid stuff. Like, you know, we forget to... Because we made this hole covering. So if we were doing a passage or a couple of days or whatever, we would, we would yeah, sort of screw in. Yeah, you have an opening in. Yeah. Uh, in the anchor locker where the chain goes through. And so if you have like um, some sea state, then you'll get a lot of salt water. water. And then the you have your sails that are going to be wet yeah. with salt water. So, so we so had this little thing jury rig to kind of screw on to keep the water yeah. out. And then it's like, oh, I forgot to put it on or I forgot to take it off. and Yeah. yeah. When, so... None of those are like major, no, but they add up all these little things add up to your joy of the cruising lifestyle because you want everything you can simplify. You want to simplify. Yeah. 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 And then there is the sail changes. Um, so uh, what we noticed when we did the test sail on the Automare is like uh, the sails was just like because the boat is lighter, because the boat performs better through the water, uh, suddenly like the sails or like much smaller, lighter. Yeah, I remember the guy coming uh, up with, with the sail and he's got it like over his shoulder and he like lays it down. I'm like, wait, that's it? That's it? That's yeah. the sail? <laughs> like we had like yeah. huge sails, like it seems like. So um, So the, the point to that is, is y- y- yes, the lines coming back to the helm and stuff like this, you can do that. But there is more to it again. Mm-hmm. Like a performance boat will have typically like you know, from what we observed, mm-hmm. uh, kind of lighter, smaller sails, and then then you're going to be able to consider changing those sails yeah. more, more easily. The next category is something that um, is really important to me, which I definitely noticed when we were on the Outremer, is um, this comfort. And it's really hard to explain because it's not comfort like, okay, there's a lot of seating area or there's a lot of space. It was that, it it was like, it completely just, my stress level was lower. And it was because the way the boat was performing and behaving, I guess. Yeah, not performing, but behaving. It just made me feel more relaxed. Mm. And that isn't something that is, you can't see that when you go to a boat show or look at a boat. Mm -hmm. It's how, you know, what you feel when you're on the boat. And I'm not the one with the big racing boating experience. You know, I'm the one, I'm like along for the ride a little bit, trying to learn as I go. Which is probably true for like most couples. Yeah, one way or the other, right? The husband or the wife. But I think that, yeah, I think there's going to be probably one person, unless you learn at the same time, who just... You know, and just like with us, right? Like you tend to lean into your risk tolerance is, is higher because you're more comfortable with the level you're at and your skills. And my risk tolerance is lower because I just am not there yet. I'm just not comfortable yet. And so I just can't express the the fundamental difference I felt on on the performance boat when we went out and I was just, I just felt calm 
And as I mentioned before, we did a test sale on a light wind day, and we did a test sale and very confused. It was 25 knots of wind, um, and we were racing. Mm. Yeah, and confused season. Um, we were racing. So it was like, a, it was like a route, you're going different points of sale. And I was just chill, you know? And so that to me, granted, you didn't have to do the maneuvers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't actually doing anything, <laughs> but still, <laughs> but it was, it, it's, mm. it's something that, it, you know, unless you, you go and, and do a test sale yeah. like that, uh, if you're someone like me, you, you, you can't really appreciate. And, and I think, I mean, this is really like, it seems like not like a major criteria, but if, and I think it's probably true, like, you know, when, when people decide to go cruising in general, I don't know the data, but one person has a sailing background, has maybe more, and, and, yeah. and is trying to bring the other person along. Right. And then you want to make sure, yes, you get a catamaran because it sells more comfortable flat. And, and then yeah. you're going to sail into like exotic places because, you know, it's, it's the water is blue and stuff. And then warm, but it's like, yes, those are important steps. But once you brought that person on the boat, you want to make sure that person feels as good and as comfortable. Like isn't freaking out, you yeah. know, like, and, and not, I mean. Like, and, and, and part of it is your seamanship as the captain of the boat, you know, it's like making sure you make the right decisions. But then there is the, the tool the, the you're, you're using. And, right. And, and, and if, if that tool is made to basically... You know, to behave in different sea states than everybody like it, it just it just lowers the anxiety and, and stress level which lowers a lot of other things yeah. you know so if you want to keep sailing for many years yeah i will say it seems like a small detail it seems like such a small thing but it's a very important one and i mentioned before too like i i said to stefan i was like look we can go check this boat out but seriously you're probably gonna be the only person who notices the difference. I'm not going to notice like I, it, a boat's a boat, a catamaran's a catamaran. Like, okay, so we're going to go faster. Like, why does that matter? We don't want to go fast. Like, that's not the idea. And it was just completely different sailing. And, um, yeah, this to me is like, there's, there wasn't as much banging and creaking. Not that our FP creaked that much. It was just noisy. Um, it seemed like it, it's just going to bounce more on the waves, right? Yeah. And and versus yeah. like you could see the ultramarine like slicing. Yeah, of course it will go up and down, but but it wasn't the hobby horse kind of. Yes, yeah. and it will not slow down as much, and it will reaccelerate very quickly. So so that behavior, and and also, I mean, those production boats, you can you can put your body and and like on a part of the, the boat and, and you'll feel the boat flexing mm-hmm. and, and some flexibility is, is, is normal, is okay. But, you know, you also, when you're going to be in, in some sea states in, in far away from land, you kind of want to know that the boat as it's, yeah. is, is like... You don't want to be second guessing every, every sound or, you know, and, and that, that I think is, especially, you know, I think as you live on a boat longer, you get more comfortable and you get used to the sounds the boat makes and this and that. But, Mm. um, it, it just had to do, yeah, it was, it was more the slicing action and less of the, um, bouncing. Yeah. Bouncing or like, you know, rattling and, you know, all these things. And what do you, what, what do you, what's the word you use to. Oh, in, in French, uh, and there is no equivalency that I can figure out in English, but uh, like French people, they define those type of boats as bateau marin. And um, 
And so the best way it can be translated is kind of a, and it's, it's like bateau made for the sea. I mean, of course, all boats yeah. are, are made for the sea, but what it means is like, how is that boat going to behave mm-hmm. in, like, like we, like I said, it's like, it's more the sea state than the wind. Like mm-hmm. how is the boat going to behave in different sea states? And then mm-hmm. the boats that are really marin <laughs> are boats that are, you, you have total confidence yeah. in it and you know, it's going to, uh, and yeah. the boat's like, I've got this. Yeah. Like, no, no, no worries. The, the other thing about comfort and, and that's something, um, that we haven't yet experienced, but we've talked to Otomer owners, it's, uh, and it's a different philosophy. You know, you have the the flybridge on top, and then, you know, I think most cruisers are pretty clear that, you know, it's a really bad idea, like, to be uh, way, way up, disconnected well, from the... Well, it depends. Some people really like them. It just um, depends. I think this is the design of the charter boats, and it's great for chartering if you're short-handed and you have somebody all the way on top in the flybridge and somebody in the cockpit, it's not great, the motion up there. So I think... Oh, the, pure flybridge versus yes. like this, the sport top that we the had. The sport top, mm, yeah. So okay. like, you know, so I think, so the sport top, I can see we, we spend time, this is where we will do the, the watch. But having talked to Outremer owners and asking them like, so where do you do your watch? Because you are exposed, you know? And basically, they're doing their watch day and night from because you're an autopilot, like 95% of the time, you're doing your, your watch from the salon and the cockpit. So what better like comfort you have mm-hmm. as opposed to be sitting um, at the helm station on the on, on yeah. one side? Um, you know, it's like, and then when, you know, because you have great visibility, because you have access to the, to the winches there. You, so that's something that I'm really kind of want to experience, but I've definitely opened yeah, my it'll mind. Be, it'll be a transition idea. for me because I was used to kind of having the, the phone booth action up in the, the helm. It's like yeah. everything's enclosed, everything's up there and I can see everything. But, you know, when I was on night watch, did I really touch anything? Not too much. So I could have just been down inside the boat, you yeah. know. So but it's for just us to be down inside the helm station, it was at the 45 degree angle. So uh, you were sitting on the couch. It was too low to really see forward. You mean the nav station? The, yeah. the, na- the nav station. What do you say? The helm station. The helm station. Okay. okay. <laughs> the nav station. So it's not facing forward. You're sitting on a couch. It's not comfortable. There's no backrest. Yeah, it was uh, weird. The, the heights, you couldn't really see. Um, and then when I'm standing up, it's like... You're too tall. Have you have to, to hunch down. Yeah. So it was not comfortable to do it from the from the salon. But if it was comfortable, like yeah. awesome it is. The only, the only thing you lose is the angle. And when you're like higher up, yeah. you're a better angle. But uh, they're also... You know, nowadays with technology, you have like a, 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 not application, but you have like a camera system like Oscar. You can put it at the top of the mast and then you have a screen at, at the nav station that basically like yeah. sees even better yeah. and tells you when they're like, you know. So so there are, there are ways to, I think, add safety to the boat and work around that. But I think um, uh, I understand better now the mm-hmm. comfort of watch keeping from the salon in the cockpit, as mm-hmm. opposed to being, like you say, in the phone booth on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the comfort thing, and I think, I think Utremer calls it 
serenity performance serene or something. Serene performance. Serene performance, which like the two words together make sense. I, I think there's just not the right word yet to describe what I'm trying to describe about like this whole comfort business. So yeah, I think we'll it, it's like we said, like yeah, there is, I don't know if there is like a one word or two words to really describe all this. It's that's why we're breaking it down into yeah. different categories that we uh, yeah trying uh, to be more specific. Yeah. So the other thing is, uh, yeah, simpler lifestyle. We talked about this a, a bit. We touched on just, we, I mean, we just pack this boat full of stuff and we mm-hmm. realize, you know, you don't need a washing machine if you only wear two pieces of clothes for a week and, you know, wash it by hand. And, you know, not everybody wants to live like that. And certainly if you're sailing with kids, it might be a completely different story, but, you And it know, sounds crazy to buy an expensive boat and not, not have a have washing like, machine. Yeah. But... That, that's so far. We yeah, might I mean, make a different decision. Yeah, I mean, we just and when we had to do sheets and towels, we just took it to the the uh, laundromat or whatever or uh, the laundry service, and for you know a couple of euros, they would do the laundry. And, and and that's the thing that we we've discovered because you yeah. think like you're totally isolated. So if you're isolated, you know, at least for our sailing, we're going to be in warm weather. Yeah. <laughs> if um, if we are like closer to the coast, um, it's it's just like there is all around the world there are washing machines. It's crazy how people <laughs> wash their clothes all around the world. It's a service yeah. that is offered yeah. like everywhere, and people like pick it up from your boat and bring it back, and it's like folded. And everything. these are their local businesses, you know. So yeah. you're also, I mean, I felt like okay, yeah, this is what these pe- people do, and you know, let's let's support that. <laughs> that yeah. and. I mean, there may, I hope there's times where, you know, in the middle of nowhere and don't have any services at all, but at some point we're going to need food, you know, so we're going to need to go somewhere. So I think just things like this to simplify and, um, you know, we talked about less ACs, no generator, no air compressor, these kinds of things. So for ACs, when you have a production boat is no ACs or six AC units, two in the salon, Two in each hull. At least that was our choice with with the boat. Yeah, which will be the case because again, it's targeted towards the uh, charter boats. So when you buy like a boat like an Intermare, it's semi custom. You can say I want one AC unit in the salon, or I want like two. two. Yeah. You know, you can choose where to put them. Um, so in our case, right now our decision mm, could change so as far, we go through yeah. the process. But it's like to have AC in the salon and have AC in the um, owner's cabin and yeah, it seems that a lot of people do that so if you if you come on our boat as a guest you, depending where we are you might have to uh well, it'll be, be nice fresh air through the window <laughs> or you can sleep in the salon <laughs> yeah so but the idea is like yeah and and then what it means also um you can get rid of the generator because we'll get lithium batteries so you'll you won't be able to run them like you know like if you had a generator obviously but the way we've been using it anyway. Yeah, we haven't even used boat. it that much. Yeah. yeah. We used the, the generator on two seasons in the med and it's been hot. Yeah, for know, sure. Time, but we used it um I think sixteen or eighteen hours total. So. I'm surprised it was even that much because I mean when yeah. we ran the AC it was only for like thirty, forty minutes at a time. So So that so that's something we learn based on our lifestyle. We we want to keep things as simple as possible, have less stuff on the boat. And left stuff to break, to maintain, let's boat parts, mm-hmm. you know. So there is this, you know, it's kind of like you're moving from a big house to an apartment. It's it's always people say it's freeing, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, to, to have less stuff, less clothes, you know. Uh, there's a little bit of like, 
Oh. Yeah. And maybe that's the transition, you know, because we, we, we sold our house. We had, we had a, you know, we raised four kids in a house. We were in it for 20 years. And it was a five bedroom house. Five, yeah. And attic uh, and yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're, you get rid of stuff and you're like, oh yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, what do you call it? Minimalist. Minimalist. And, <laughs> That's and, how it felt when we got rid of stuff. And empty nesters so and all this stuff. And then you realize you still have like a ton of stuff. Yeah. And, and then we moved from the, the uh, rental to Tao. In, still, in a pandemic with one, one carload of stuff. Yeah. We got rid of like yeah. a lot of stuff. So we thought we had gotten rid of a lot of stuff. So, we, and now yeah. we have like, even less stuff. Yeah, so. and I get emails a lot from um, uh, people who are asking, okay, I'm getting ready to move on to a boat. Like, what should I bring? And my advice is always take as little as you possibly can, you know, figure out what you absolutely can't live without, put it all, you know, lay it on your bed or whatever, and then cut it down to 25% of that. And people's minds kind of get blown. And I'm like, seriously, that's all you use on a boat, mm -hmm. really? Because you end up sort of using the same things over and over again. You don't like use all these extra things that on land you do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe that was a transition for us in our first boat even, is realizing that even that the few things we did think we were going to use, we use less of than we even thought. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're not... Also, everybody, like everybody, many people might be different than us. So we're just kind of sharing our experience. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'd rather start with less. And then also as you go along, you visit places and you see things mm -hmm. and you go, oh, that's a really cool thing. I might want to have that on the boat. But if you have everything on the boat from the beginning, you don't get to really do that. Yeah. <laughs> without and it's a slippery soap because, you, you know, catamarans are big boats and you're going to have storage and you're like, oh, let's buy this, let's buy that, as opposed to what do I truly need, mm -hmm. you know. So everybody's going to have to go through their own, yeah. you know, um, process. But what we realize is, yeah. is we don't so, use So we much. won't be able to have a poof on the... Uh, on the new one, I don't know. To be a, it's 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 a rule has to be if you, if you use it every day, it gets on the boat. Okay. It's like an eighty twenty rule. Um, the poof meaning the beanbag chair that he bought. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, and then obviously safety is a big component. Oh, and and also a little bit of a simpler lifestyle is is less regular maintenance. I mean, oh, yeah. I, you know, a simple thing is the stainless steel. We had a lot. Oh my gosh. You can talk about I this. hate the stainless steel, <laughs> honestly. I mean, and look, listen, these I'm complaining about champagne problems, so I am in full appreciation of that, but I hate stainless steel. It's a lot of work and a lot of maintenance, so that was one thing we we were looking forward to somehow minimizing just regular um you know it's not like it's not like you want to minimize the important maintenance obviously you need to maintain the boat and do a lot on the boat anyway it's more how do you reduce maintenance that is easy to reduce yeah you know out of the gate so that's kind of <laughs> and so i mean and you always have to buy those products and they're expensive are, you yeah. know that's stainless steel cleaner i mean mm. even if i cheated with wd-40 in between like you still can't cheat you have to buy the the expensive stuff and sometimes it's like 50 bucks a tube i'm like seriously yeah and it's not only like it takes time so it's a process to go through this on the boat and when you have a lot of stainless steel but it's also 
some parts are hard to access. We yeah. had um, our frame for the solar panels was all stainless steel. Yeah, so I couldn't get it. You, you bend over, you can clean some areas, but it's some like, areas... Whoops, fall off the boat. Yeah, you, you cannot. <laughs> yeah. And so it's uh, yeah. like, yeah, the, the Utamera is like very little to, to know stainless steel. And that's definitely one requirement because we can eliminate We're that trying to maintenance. eliminate... You, and, and also this other kinds of maintenance too, um, maybe cosmetic maintenance. It takes away time also where you need to pay attention to more important things Mm -hmm. like maintaining on the boat. So I think it's like, let's just get rid of the ancillary stuff that we need to maintain, um, or have fewer things to maintain. And, um, that'll kind of help things be. And if you take every little thing, you don't think it's very much, you're like, ah, I mean, I have time again, but there's a lot, you know, uh, what we see through the YouTube videos is the, is the good times and stuff. Yeah. But there's a lot of there's stuff. There's a lot to do. And yeah. and you're two people. And so if you can cut that out, yeah, cut it. <laughs> okay, so safety. Yeah. So safety is obviously uh, always an important criteria. Um, so the nice thing about like a performance boat is because you as we talked about it, like there is a bigger sailing radius. You, if you need to go fast, you can go faster. Uh, not that you want to, and do you don't this. need to go fast. Yeah, you, yeah. What you care is your average speed, but it's nice to know it's like a, a you know, like a fast car. You want to know like I have some under the pedal, like mm-hmm. if I need to, like, you know, to avoid a car or something. So in this case, it would be like, well, there's a bad weather system coming and, you know, if I can get by this point, uh, these coordinates at a certain time, then I might avoid the worst of it. And and I think if you haven't seen the crossing with La Vagabonde and um, uh, that was an Atlantic crossing from east to west, to really that understand... That was with Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. And to see, like, how basically with the um, uh, the route, uh, routers on land, you know, telling them, okay, you, you need have to, to be, be here there, by this you know, time. Yeah. And then you need to be there. So it's maybe to catch, you know, maybe a, a certain wind or avoid some sea state. And, and so you have, if you find yourself in those conditions and... Um, then it's nice to know that your boat, with your boat, it doesn't mean you're going to be able exactly to be where you want to be, but you, you have, have more confidence that you can achieve the. the it speed. gives you more yeah. options, yeah, and then that flexibility. So mm-hmm. that's that's definitely an, a, a safety factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the speed. If you had like a major storm coming, and you know, you could try to also like just change route. Uh, just for the purpose of avoiding the worst of the storm. So on your engines. Um, you it's know, a fixed speed. A, fixed yeah. speed, yeah. You, you versus like under sail with a boat that can surf with you know lighter boats. You know, suddenly you could go into like the 15, 16, 17, and and then run away from the worst. So that's, that's even upwind. Oh no, no, not not this <laughs> angles, but <laughs> but you could like with again, you you might be able to. Um, you know, it's all about the sea state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so simple things again you're like oh I'm cruising it's okay but you know sometimes you know you might do a passage of like uh, two days or even one day and then we were talking about earlier and you want to be able to well let, let's say a two or three day passage you know you've been at sea uh, um, for like 48 hours two people and you know there's a little bit of a uh, 
you, you get into the groove, but there's a bit of a fatigue, you know, and you're looking at the remaining miles and you're like, oh, if we were to accelerate a little bit, like we might make it before, before sunset, before sunset versus wait a full other night. Yeah. And it could be that, that other nights, it could be that suddenly bad weather is coming. Mm-hmm. So that might be able to, you know, okay, let's squeeze in. Uh, it might be like, you know, you're getting tired mm-hmm. and uh, yes, you can slow down and spend another night, but you're like, well, I think the boat can do it. So let's try. Mm-hmm. So again, more flexibility in your decision mm-hmm. making. Um, the we talk about this a little bit, but it's uh, kind of a, the the safety of uh, the watch keeping from the salon and the cockpit. You know, uh, that's that's also uh, mm-hmm. uh, an important one. Um, and then the the safety in the sense of the the way the boat behaves in different sea states. You mm-hmm. know, to know that the boat can. It's just can a little calmer. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then um, the next criteria is, you know, and, and we touched upon it a little bit before, but this is different. Um, it's confidence in the boat. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different than like the comfort or the serene performance or whatever, of just kind of the calmness of the way the, the, um, the boat behaves and like stress level. This is more um, confidence that the boat is can handle many things like that, that the world's going to throw at it. And I just, I, I really like the fountain Peugeot and you know, the, they build great boats. Um, it's just a different, good, not great. Well, it's, it's different, right? Like the, they build boats for, um, you know, comfortable cruising, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't think we can say that. I think, it's just again, it's our choice and um, you know our decision. But it, it's sort well, of like confident, ta- confident that the the boat was meant to handle heavier circumstances than hopefully we will need to handle. You know, and, and it, it's just like having confidence in 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 your boat overall. I think yeah. that's an important thing. And what we've seen, uh, and we didn't cross an ocean with the with our boat in the Sauna Forty Seven, but but uh, we sailed from. Yeah, yeah, we, La we sailed, you know, to um, Turkey, up so. to like a six-day passage, and yeah. and um, you know, but I think um, talking to priv- to owners also, I think it took owners quite some time. You know, you you're going to basically you, you have a certain level of confidence to start with. Mm-hmm. And if you discover issues with your boat, your confidence is going to go down. Or if you feel like you know, the way the boat behaves, all the sounds and stuff, like, you know, your confidence goes down. And after that, to build it back up, it's basically it's time. Go, go, yeah. it's time. It's going to different sea conditions and realize, yes, okay, the boat can handle it. But that takes some time. That, and, that's and, a better way to say it. Yeah. And, and, and some owners, like, it took basically uh, an Atlantic cross, crossing to really see the boat through different sea yeah. states to say, okay, I, my level of confidence is now at this level. And, um, and I think, but this goes back to basically two things it's the the boat design so is the boat that you're buying 
designed purposefully to Cross sail around the world. oceans and go around the world. Yeah. yeah, in different sea states. Is that, you know, versus like a boat that can, that can do it versus this one is like designed, designed for and, it. You know. Yeah. And then there is the build process because when you have a, a boat like an Utomera semi-custom boat, obviously they, they, they take the time to do certain things like the bulkhead they're basically glass to the hull. So it makes it one unit as opposed to being very glued. stiff. Yeah. So, so once you know about the insides and the, how the boat has been built, what, what technical, you know, uh, process they've, they've used to not make any shortcuts and then how the boat has been designed and how it behaves through the water, then your confidence and, and combination with we're going to be able to sail uh, because that's something that not like, we didn't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we learned about it. Is when you buy an Utomer, uh, they offer weekend uh, on sailing classes on a Utomer, yeah. uh, where you spend Saturday. Which and is Sunday. why we're here. I think we covered that in the last. Episode. Yeah, and so suddenly it's like you're going to get your boat, and you will have been on Utomers with with like a person with like. Mm-hmm. You that know. knows how to push the boat and yeah. then you have confidence. And so suddenly like, yeah, you, know, you, you have, okay, you look at the design of the boat. Yes. It checks all the boxes. You look at how the boat is being built. Yes. And then somebody is going, you're going to go out sailing with somebody from Utomer that's going to be able to show you like basically the, the, how the boat sails yeah. in different, you know, extreme conditions. You will have sort of pre, pre-checked out, like, yeah. um, have a full understanding of how the boat performs in stress conditions so that your confidence in your boat goes up. So yeah. this, this is, a, I think, a, a better description of, of confidence. Mm-hmm. I think there's another thing I want to mention, which might be controversial, but oh well, is, um, is, you know, and I don't know if it has to do with private companies versus public companies or, you know, what, but um, I think that, I think that what we noticed, there was some things on FP that we were like, wow, you know, like we had to replace all the lines, for Mm -hmm. instance, you know, and it's like, it's a brand new boat. Like, why do we have to buy new lines? The lines came with the boat. Um, They just weren't good lines. I mean, can you use them? Sure. But they were kind of getting caught in some of the jammers and, you know, some of this Mm -hmm. stuff or stretching or. They use, they provide everything. And, but obviously, and I think we, we can say that because we spent time with people in La Rochelle who've been there for years and they've seen... Commissioning the boats. Commissioning the yeah. boats. And they see the lagoons, they see the Fountain Peugeot, and it's not specific to one brand. Right. But what they mentioned to us and they've seen, because they say, oh, Fountain Peugeot, like you used to build like really solid boats, like those boats like can last for years, can sail across oceans, like, you know. And I say, well, what happened? Like, why did they change? Well, there are a couple of reasons. But one that they mention is when a boat manufacturer starts, it's basically driven by architecture and like engineering. Like you, you the have, boat architect and yeah, yeah, and and so you have like some ideas of what you want to design as a boat, and they are designed basically by sailors. Yeah, but when the company goes from being private to being public, what they say is like internally the power shifts from engineering to purchasing. Mm. So now purchasing is has the power and, and wants to look at every light item and save every cent 
Yeah, possible. on some of the parts. Yeah. And they see it in, in the parts, in the, the amount of material yeah. and stuff like this. And they say, we've seen it over the years as yeah. the lagoons have become, yeah. you know, more flexible and stuff, the fountain pressure. So, so that's one criteria. The other one is obviously they see the money is coming from the chartering market. Right. And, they're, they're and so there's things they can get away with because they can replace them like by the the charter holding company or whatever the the maintenance service for for where the boat is held, mm-hmm. um, and you know they're they weren't big things. They're like little fasteners or maybe door hinges and you know things like this that like the the attachments for the shower door. You know that yeah, just stuff. And and it's not it. I mean, we didn't see any like big important stuff. It was more just the little things that you have to maintain that then create and trigger a warranty process, which is a whole different podcast. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, then you're kind of going, oh, I need these parts because this thing rusted because it's cheap and, you know, versus sort of confidence that like the boat is being built by sailors who want the boat to last a long time, mm. who don't want to deal with, you know, after service support. Like they, they want you to leave and not have to have any problems. Like that's the mm. intention. And so there, a lot goes in with that confidence factor there. So, and parts, you know, that based on previous owners, you know that you have to preemptively replace on the brand new boat. What was the boat. water holder thing we had? Yeah, the, I, I forget the name every time, but it's like um, it's a small tank that pressurizes the water uh, so your pump doesn't run all the time. And I forget the name now. So every brand new FB comes out with one. Uh, and that all of the owners replace it. Well, yeah, because at some point in time, you get rust into your water. By yeah. the time you realize you have rust in your water, like you might have been drinking some. Yeah. And so so this, these are just more examples. But So yeah. it's like, you know about this, they, they know about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the company for, for purely a monetary decision decides to not put an upgraded one, which mm-hmm. would be maybe like 10, 20 more euros. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Every but it all adds happy. up. It all yeah. adds up because you know, uh, just to, just to recap, like all these things we knew, we knew from previous owners on, on the boat we bought, and we spent money and we replaced it, mm-hmm. and so that's fine. You know, the the owner that got our boat got the a good boat with oh, good yeah. lines and good things that we replaced and all of that. I think the issue for us is we're buying the boat this time. We kind of don't want to do that again. You know, we want to have confidence that the builder who's building the boat is going to build it with things that are going to last a long time. I mean, it's it's all about trade-offs. Now. Yeah. So, so you accept those trade-offs because, you know, right. you're like, okay, this is the type of boat I'm buying and these are the trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And that means I will need to spend time afterwards in the commissioning, Which post-commissioning. Yeah. And, you know, to, and money. Upgrade, to upgrade to this. Yeah, and money. money. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll bring up the money point because I think I mentioned before, too, when we were first looking at boats, we just thought performance boats were outside of our budget. Mm-hmm. And when you end up adding everything we did and all of the different services we got. And the time. And the time. It's kind of even, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of back to that point. But yeah. so I know we're running a little long. Um but maybe we can we can kind of finish off on the couple more most important things. Yeah. So the the other thing is a better customer experience. Um, what we mean by that is 
the boat, when you buy a production boat, it comes out of the factory uh, and you have a, a certain list of options to choose from. And so, of course, like we didn't like the water maker was only 60 liters per hour. So we we're like, OK, that makes no sense. We need like a more. Um, we didn't like the solar panels. So so suddenly like you're doing a whole pot, a brand new boat and yeah. you're going through a whole commissioning process. And, and we then, did a podcast on this too. I think it's called Why Are We Recommissioning a New Boat or something yeah. like that. And then once once that comes out of the commissioning where you're not involved in the boat, you just can say, okay, those are the major projects uh, that's that can be done during the commissioning. Then there are some more specific projects you want to do. So we went through a whole cycle of that. Mm -hmm. So in this case, uh, when you buy a semi-custom boat, um, is basically the boat is going to come out of the factory and being handed to us. Ready to go. Ready to go, yes. Yeah. And of course, there will be problems. Like yeah. Those are complex machines. But... You're like, more involved. Like, you know, when, when we were building um, our boat before, we didn't really have a say. Like, it was like two steps removed from what was going on with the boat. Mm -hmm. And we could add this and that, but we couldn't, we didn't have direct contact. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. this case, we have direct contact with the builder. Through we can come. We can come. You know, like you couldn't go to. No, you, you can visit the FP factory, but you cannot go like check on your boat. No, or you know, ha have a say of what kind of things go on your boat. And so we'll be much more involved in the process. And um, I think you see this with with Ruby Rose too. Like they're involved in in their build process, yeah. and um, you know, we're really looking forward to that. So. And, and something, again, like to dive a little deeper on this, because you'll be like, oh, okay, I have the time. But if you pick up a boat in France, you're in Europe, you get a you visa don't have time for 90 days. Well, unless you're French, yeah. Uh, unless, yeah, unless you're European, that's true. Um, but suddenly, and you spend time, and you want to spend as much time as possible in La Rochelle or wherever the boat is being built. Mm -hmm. But the cruising season... Uh, unless you spend the winter on your boat in the Med, which is, in our opinion, is not much fun, the cruising season is not super long, and you're driven by your time in the in Europe. Yeah, that was our issue with the first season. Is by the time we got out of COVID lockdown and actually got the boat, we just had to bolt across because we were running out of time. Yeah. Time we... So if you have a boat that basically comes out of the factory and you you go there, and yes, you need to do a shakedown, you need to come back to like on mud, and they'll fix the the outstanding issues. But you're basically ready to go. Mm -hmm. Versus like we spent a whole month. Uh, in La Rochelle doing boat project. Well, that's one month where, you know, suddenly to enter the Med, the next, you can stop in Gibraltar, but after that, it's either North Africa or Montenegro. And mm -hmm. that's a long way. It so was need, a long way. You know, yeah. so, so again, uh, or, or if you have a, maybe a three-year plan, cruising plan, because you have kids and you're like, okay, that's a good time. Well, that season where you're spending to do to do that, that takes away from your three-year plan. So it's another thing to take into consideration. Yeah. So the customer experience, um, and then um, and then also, so it's the boat being ready 
coming out of the factory, including having the stickers on it. And being more involved. And then being more involved through the process and also the owner being ready, as we talked about this, you know, Tomer provides all training, not just sailing weekends, but also training on the diesel engines, on medical, on weather and all type of stuff. And that's all included in in your price. So, So you basically... The boat is ready. You feel good about it. You, the owner is ready. And now, you know, you're ready to go and, and go cruising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing we talked about was, you know, as a benefit, we, we're not going into this necessarily because we expect to have the boat for a while. You know, we are planning a circumnavigation um, is the resale value or, mm-hmm. or it holding its value. Yes. And, you know, right now it's a seller's market and all that, but it may not be, mm-hmm. you know, when we go to sail the boat and, um, you know, I think what that means is making sure we're on a boat that is a 50 year boat. You know, it has a lifespan that, that, you know, it can be a good boat in 10 years from now and 20 years from now, you know, it's not going to kind of start to, um, have to have major things done to it. Yeah, you know? I mean, resale value is is all about you know build quality, brand recognition, and scarcity. So when you buy a production boat, there'll be a lot of boats, you know, used boats, and, you know. To yeah, but there's more people that want them. That, that yeah, they, and there's more people. Yeah. But I think also it's shifted over time where people now discover like yes, they are very nice boats, but maybe you know. They've gone too far on the spectrum, and now you know uh, you see a lot more boats coming out that are like performance. Have oriented. more performance, yeah. So, uh, so there is kind of you know because they are custom boats, and you know they release less boats. So if you have scarcity, I mean, right now, yes, granted it's a seller's market, but it's kind of crazy to realize that uh, Utomer boats right now in this market are being sold while they are the boat is going sailing around the world. And so they are being sold like a couple of years, like one, two, up to three years in advance of uh, of the boat being completing the, yeah. around the world. I mean, we heard that secondhand, so I don't know if no, it's super no, prevalent. We, but. we know that from mm. different, you know, it's um, because there is nothing on the used market or where they come, they go very quickly. Well, and they don't, it's not like they, they're not producing them very quickly. Uh, you yeah, know, it's it, scarcity, it takes longer you know. to build so, them. Yeah. So that's that's the resale value. So we feel we mm-hmm. feel pretty good about about these. Mm-hmm. And, and so a couple of things about you know the we we went through the process uh, of working through a dealer, and we definitely didn't want to repeat that uh, because having this intermediary is just it was hard. I mean, you had zero contact with fp yeah and again that doesn't have anything to do with the dealer um because there were a lot of things we liked about our dealer it was it was just being removed like i had said before and it's it's a philosophy that the boat builder controls it's not a dealer type of a situation it's that the boat builder prefers to sell through dealers versus well i mean and they have good reasons why they prefer this but if you have a a boat builder that sells direct, you know, they're facing the customer. Yeah. You know, so they're held the accountable. During the buying process, yeah. during the building process, and during the support process. Yeah. And so when you can talk, when you have issues, and you can talk directly, like we met the person in charge of after sales of Utomer, like I, 
I cannot remember his name because his name is Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to remember. But I've talked, to, we, we met with him. We never met anybody yeah. at Fontaine-Bergeau. We couldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's very frustrating when things are not moving forward. Yeah. So here... But also what I liked was, um, you know, when we talked to them about like, well, why do you do it this way? Or why do you do it that way? The response is always, well, we talked to our owners and our owners say, you know, they'd like, you know, this to be added or that to be taken away or our owners say like they're really, really in touch with their owners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure not every single owner is happy, just like any product. But, um, you know, I think I think what I heard a lot was that they base that on the customer feedback. It's not an afterthought, you know. Yeah. I mean, because you're talking to your customers all the time, all the time versus yeah. when you're totally cut off. Uh, it's like a manufacturer mentality versus like a customer experience and customer mm-hmm. loyalty yes, approach. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that pretty much sums it up, wouldn't you say? Um, Those yeah. are the big topics. I think. Yes. Yeah, so next time you go to a boat show, um, I would say, sure, look at the boat, look at the On shiny the dock. things, yeah. look at the space, and everything, and like you know. But then I think it's important to. Um, you have to get on the boat to get on the boat charter the boat if you can do a test sail we got lucky we see light air and, and windy uh, conditions so that was like perfect mm-hmm. two day test sail for us uh, talk to um, uh, to owners online or in person I mean people love talking about their boats yeah. <laughs> and they'll tell <laughs> look you look at us we like talking about boats yeah, we yeah. don't even and have and they'll tell you like you know uh, no, people what, will tell you the truth. Yeah, they'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, I mean, when we had uh, a boat next to us in La Rochelle and the person was had a Lagoon 42 and that was not his first boat. And when he says, oh, this boat sells like a plow. Well, you need to pause and be like, well, do I want to buy a Lagoon 42? Because, you know, like it's one data point, but, you know, the other. But was, he was happy. I, I mean, mean, he was happy on his boat. Well, so it just depends on what you want. He, he, yeah. I mean, he was happy. Um, yes, he was uh, moderately uh, uh, <laughs> happy, let's say. So I think what it, it's hard to describe all this. We, we use many criteria, but I think it's it's really important to to go beyond performance category. And um, yeah, that's what we really wanted to explain today is is, you know, the word performance, I think, conjures certain things in people's heads. And um, you'll see, like, none of the things we mentioned were about sailing fast or racing the boat. You know, we touched upon going faster when it came to safety, but that's not the primary. So, you know, the the notion of performance maybe isn't the right word. Um, yeah. and so we were trying to kind of summarize what those things meant to us. It's it's general. It's all about what average speed can you maintain over a long period of time in maximum comfort. Mm-hmm. And then if you can do this on your boat, then you're going to be sailing more sailing longer mm-hmm. everybody's going to be happier and and i think th- there's many many criteria that go into this and and we were trying to find an, an analogy because you're like okay on one way the automer is like a land rover 
like it can go into like big waves and it will slice through it. Like a Land Rover can climb big hills. Yeah. And, yeah. But at the same time, a Land Rover, if you go on the highway, it's not really designed yeah, for the of, highway. So it's yeah. like a Porsche will be like, oh, I'm on the highway. If I need to push on the pedal, I'll go faster right away and, and I can go fast for a long period of time. So it's kind of like if, if a Land Rover and a Porsche had a baby and, <laughs> and it was a boat <laughs> and it was a boat, it, it would be like, it's yeah. kind of the best of both worlds. And that's, that's kind of the best way we can describe what has been our experience, yeah. you know, sitting on the automare and, and talking to, to, mm-hmm. to owners. So it's, with, it's it a was nice similar trade-offs, right? Like the Porsche, I mean, again, you're not going to be able to, you know, the Porsche doesn't have a very big trunk, right? So it's like the same is true on these light displacement boats. Yeah, you have to watch what you put on them, you know, like that kind of thing. Yes. So, but if you're going to put yourself, your spouse, maybe your kids, sailing around the world, and you look at the at the map of the world, and and that's a lot of water, and you're not yeah. going to be able to pick all the time the best windows, right? And so, if you can have the best of both worlds, and mm-hmm. and um, then. Um, and you'll yeah you'll, you'll be uh yeah you'll be happy yeah hopefully so this one ran a little long thank you for sticking with us to the end if you're able to do that and um you know we're trying to be really upfront and truthful you know in our podcast so maybe we said some things that um you know maybe run rub some people the wrong way but you know what we're really trying to do is just give you the honest kind of our honest opinion as it relates to us uh, you may have different decisions or criteria or whatever, but we're just sharing it with, with ours, with our listeners in case it helps you make better decisions for yourself or helps you think about, you know, different ways to, um, make these considerations if you're buying a new boat or a used boat. Yeah. And, and if you want, you know, we try to capture everything, but if you have questions, you know, let us know, uh, what would you like us to dive more into details and some of the points we made. Yeah. Or contact us. Like we're happy to have a phone call and and just kind of uh, yeah. share more of our personal experience too. So it makes sense to you right. what we're describing. Right. And so as we go through the next um, couple months, we're going to have to make some decisions on some things um, as the boat gets built. Uh, our our um, delivery date got moved up. Um, mm-hmm. which we're excited about, but it's kind of changed things and we're trying to get a new timeline in place. So we're excited That's about that. combined with some of the uh, supply chain issues. So just yeah. to be safe to have all the equipment, we need to make decisions earlier. earlier so yeah. the good thing we're here, I didn't know that I will go again to another boat show because I was like, oh, I'm done with boat shows. But we're going to a boat show next week. Yeah, we are. We're going to the... <laughs> to the Lagrand Mott boat yeah, show. And uh, for multi-hulls. And so in case you're coming, but you'll definitely Yeah, drop us, us a line too. Okay, uh, fair winds for now. Bon bon. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now.